Oh, it's me. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Alternative Interests. My name is Kat, and this is... That is like your super... <laughs> radio voice? Announcer voice. That was very nice. Thank you. I'm Crystal, Yay. and I, I don't have a voice. <laughs> no, you don't. Hello, Crystal. How are you? Um funny you should ask oh. because i feel like shit why what happened um i think i have food poisoning why right now like my, uh, yes i i might have to get up and go like puke so ooh, this might uh, be the wrong oh god damn. case okay. to listen to today See, i wasn't gonna bow uh, because our listeners want content oh well um, well I fucked up loading the episode this morning, and we had so many nice people actually like send us messages about. Oh, it. really? Well, I know my yeah, cousin I... Natasha did. She's like, just letting you know, it was only a twenty-nine second upload or a ninety-two second upload. I don't know. I am using new software, and there's still growing uh, pains. I'm sorry. Logic Pro is not like GarageBand, and I thought it would be more similar, but it's oh. not. There's too many fancy controls, and I am not a sound <laughs> editor, and I'm doing my best. Well, we appreciate it. People can mess up. Just like people. Just give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty sure, like, it feels like food poisoning, um, but I don't remember eating anything that would have given me food poisoning, if that makes sense. Okay. When did it start? Uh, Well, it started, like last night and then i got really nauseous this morning but i was like oh maybe i'll eat breakfast at 11:30 a.m because that's usually when i eat breakfast um and it'll feel better it's fine i just went too long without eating and then it got worse oh no um and i was kind of letting my team at work know that like hey I might not be at work tomorrow i'm not feeling so hot and one of them chatted with me on the side and she's like oh uh you know that the CDC warned everyone that norovirus is spreading right now, and it has symptoms very similar to... I had no uh, idea. So maybe you want to look into that. I'm like, whoa, just ruined my yeah. day. So well, I hope... I'm here well, good. with everyone. Thank you. That's commitment right there. Yeah. So if I sound kind of unexcited, I apologize. I swear I'm engaged. I'm I'm just fighting down I mean, the bile. You kind of normally sound like that when <laughs> I, I do. I have a very I'm very deadpan, but like I I interact with you. <laughs> I love you. Your stories are engaging. Well, this one is going to be actually. You know what? This one is kind of you'll. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. This is kind okay. of go, goes off the path of my usual stories that I enjoy telling. Um, these are both horrifically horrible, but yet horribly inspiring, if that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, 
I feel like we're going to get to the end of this episode. <laughs> and I'm going to question more about you than I already do. Well, then let's get right to it. So, okay. <laughs> that way, if you have to vomit at any point, you you can do it quickly. But I, I'm, I have a bowl. Yeah, I am going to tell you uh, two stories, actually, about okay. Allison Botha and Mary Vincent. And uh, they are connected in a strange, horrific way, yet both have equally as amazing outcomes. So, okay. so it's, let's call this inspiring. Inspiring trauma. Inspiring trauma. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, and by the way, trigger warning right here at the beginning, there is a rape, mutilation, and torture. So just FYI. Okay. okay. So I'm going to tell you first about Alison Botha. Now, Alison Botha is from Port Elizabeth, South Africa. She was born on September 27th. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Rewind. She was born on September 22nd, 1967. Now, just a little bit about her growing up. Her parents divorced when she was about 10, so she lived most of her life with just her mother and brother. It was a very normal life in Port Elizabeth. Uh, she served as head girl at the Collegiate High School for Girls in Port Elizabeth. And when she graduated high school, she decided instead of going straight to college, she was going to spend a few years traveling. Sounds like a solid yeah, plan. Yeah, okay. totally solid plan. And after a few years of traveling, she was ready to settle, settle down. And so she found a job as an insurance broker, and she was pretty happy with that. Um, then in December of 1994, everything changed she had spent the day at the beach with friends and this was like a normal occurrence her and her friends would get together and they would go to the beach and when the day was ending she's like hey everyone you guys should come back to my house for pizza and some games and so that's what they did and she was hanging out with her friends they were eating they were having fun and when the night was wrapping up uh, she and people were leaving and it was around 10 o'clock. It wasn't that late. Uh, Allison decided that she was going to help one of her friends that were, th that was there out and give them a ride back home. Cause they didn't have a ride home. So she's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll give you a ride home. So she left her apartment. She took her friend home, um, dropped them off. Everything was all good. Said goodbye. She headed back to her apartment. No problem. Uh, when she got into her apartment parking lot, where she usually parked in her usual space, uh, she went to turn and grab something from the passenger side. And she said that she felt like this whoosh of air, like on the driver's side. And so she turned suddenly and mm -hmm. a man with a knife had opened her driver's side door. Oh. And he said, move over or I will kill you. Now, Allison, of course, is taken completely off guard. She's mm -hmm. terrified. So she did as he asked, which I would do too, right? You're just, you're yeah. stunned. You're like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, he took, he got in the car. She, she moved over and he turned the car back on and sped away. Now, 
at this moment, he was in, Allison was like freaking out and he was ensuring her, like he assured her that he wasn't going to hurt her, that he only wanted to use her car for an hour. He kept repeating that over and over again. Listen, I'm not going to hurt you. I only want to use your car for an hour. Uh, I, I don't want to hurt you. That's weird. Yeah. The man also identified himself as Clinton to Allison. And again, okay. just kept repeating, I only need your car for an hour. I don't want to hurt you. I am just using your car. So what I'm almost picturing is this guy sitting there driving and not even really looking at her, but going, I'm, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to use my car. My name yeah. is Clinton, and I'm not going to hurt you. Um, I just want to use your car. I'm Clinton, and I'm just using your car, and it's only for an hour, and I won't hurt you. By the way, my name's Clinton. Like... <laughs> And I know this is your car, just want to use it for an hour, not going to hurt you. <laughs> Unfortunately, when people say that, probably 95% of the time, they do not mean it. And, oh, and yeah. that was the case here, which this is no surprise. Um, this Clinton was later identified as Franz Detal, and he was taking Allison to go pick up another person whose name was Thenis Kruger. Okay. So now with his friend in the car, the two men drove off and Allison is still in the car and she's kind of like still terrified. And she realizes they are driving out of the city and Allison is frozen in fear. Like she just keeps seeing landmarks pass by her and she knows like, they're not taking me back. Like, this isn't good. I feel like when, I mean, also we say this all the time, but like, we don't know how we'd react, mm -hmm. but also like I'm in this car, this guy gets in and starts driving and starts saying, Hey, I'm Clinton. I need to use your car for an hour. Not going to hurt you. I'd be like, okay, well I'm a head out. I'm going to open mm -hmm. my door and just like roll. Yeah. Jump out. Like, especially when he picked up the friend. Yes. But again, I'd be like, okay, now's the time to tuck and roll. I'll be again, fine. like I, I could say that now and then be completely paralyzed with fear when it happened. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so they, as they kept driving, Franz and Thenas told Allison that they were going to have sex with her now. They, I don't like that. No. And again, trigger warning here. Okay. Well, no, just the way that, <laughs> that, that they, they said it. Is that how they said yeah. it? Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like, hey, That's... we just drove you out of the city. They went to a secluded area and oh. they said, okay, now we're going to have sex with you. That's weird. This whole thing is very it's, strange. It, just wait. And then they, uh, they start asking her, now, we're going to have sex with you, but are you going to fight us on this? Like, they're asking her this beforehand. Um, at that point, I I I won't be engaged. Um, <laughs> no, uh-uh. How could you be? Uh, but I wouldn't fight them. Either no, because she. I think she's clearly frightened into submission, right? Like she yeah. is just terrified. So Allison says no. They get to the secluded area. Both of them rape Allison, mm -hmm. and. Soon it becomes very clear to Allison that they are going to kill her. So after they both brutally assaulted her, they began suffocating her, trying to choke oh. her out 
and kill her that way. While she did initially lose consciousness, she was able to come back. And the two men became very frustrated at this failed attempt. So they took turns stabbing Allison in the stomach with a knife. What? Directly into her abdomen. Franz even said that he specifically wanted to mutilate her reproductive organs. Why? And that's what he was going for when he stabbed her repeatedly over and over in the stomach. Why? Because these guys are like real monsters. Yeah, like. Yeah. Oh, wait, just wait, just wait. It's not even over. Okay. Okay. So. After this attack, after they were stabbing her in the stomach, they noticed her. And by the way, she's coming in and out of consciousness, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine the brutality of this attack and what was going through her mind. But they noticed her leg twitch. So they got even more frustrated because she wasn't dead yet. So to ensure her death this time, they slit her throat 16 times what now allison could see hear and feel everything that was going on right now oh my god i almost wish she would die so she wouldn't have to live through oh just wait she could even see one of her attacker's arms moving above her face in a left to right motion left to right left to right and the movements were making a sound. She also felt the tugging pressure of the knife. Oh my God. And the only way to describe the sound that she was hearing was wet. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry to get graphic, but that's what happened. Yeah. This right to left motion was happening again and again. It was quick, it was slashing, it was wet. And she was still alive. Oh my God, I don't know how. Oh, Oh gosh, I mean, buckle up. So her mind was struggling to make sense of everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. Allison said that it felt very unreal. She also said that at one point she stopped feeling pain Mm-hmm. And she was so like, I bet the adrenaline was pumping so hard and her body was going into shock that she said it felt like a dream, but it wasn't a dream. And yeah. she kept thinking to herself, is this happening? Like, there's a man slashing my throat. Like, is this a dream? This is not a dream. I don't feel pain, but I'm feeling it. You know, like, yeah. I can't even imagine just like the, the, the i like the brain firing at this point right and like all the the pain um sensors and just i mean i i can't even um so she said she felt it stop and Mm -hmm. that both men stepped back almost like they were admiring their work Mm. and um they were both speaking in afrikaans Okay. And that one of them said, do you think she's dead? 
and she heard the others say, no one can survive that. Oh, well, I mean, they underestimated her, obviously. Yeah, so satisfied, they both drove away, leaving her there in the middle of this secluded kind of, like, deserted field area. Like, way outside? Outside of Port Elizabeth, and they drove away. In her car? Yeah. What Franz and Thanis didn't know is that they messed with the wrong person because Allison was such a badass that when they drove away, they didn't realize she was still breathing. Mm -hmm. So being the incredibly strong and just overall like real life superhero, like immortal superhero that ever lived, Allison was still conscious enough at this point that she knew she had to leave a clue behind for whoever found her. So this girl is laying there having miraculously survived this brutal, awful nightmare of an attack. And she has the wherewithal to write their names in the dirt. Really? I mean, I mean, honestly, my fucking hero. She writes their names in the dirt because she overheard both of them call each other their actual names. Oh, not Nuh-uh. So okay. she writes their names in the dirt and then right below it, hold on to your heart. She wrote, I love mom. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. And how old was she? So, um, 27 i don't think that i could do that uh no so by the way when i heard that when i heard she wrote i love mom my heart Mm -hmm. and brain collectively broke (laughs) like like like, when i read that i was like body turned into a goose i was like (gasps) um so she laid there on the broken glass and dirt where they had left her for dead on her back. Uh And as she was laying there, she noticed that she could see headlights flashing through the bushes. And she thought to herself, if I could just manage to get to the road, maybe I can get some help. No way. Now reminder, she has just been raped by two men stabbed Uh 30 times in the stomach and had her throat slashed 16 times and this fucking rock star manages to pull herself up i okay (laughs) so like what i have zero excuses for anything in my life ever again she gets up okay now this is going to be a little bit more graphic. So if you guys are a little queasy, even with the details I gave, it's going to get a little more graphic right now. Uh, this is a really good time for me to test out <laughs> having background music to warn everybody. Exactly. So, so do, do, do. Listen. <laughs> okay. As she gets up, she begins to realize the full extent of her injuries. Because, hold on, her head starts to fall backwards. Oh my God. Because she realizes she has been nearly decapitated. Oh 
she also feels something slimy coming from her stomach and realizes that it's her intestines. Oh my God. So she takes her shirt and her hand and holds in her intestines with one hand Uh and her fucking head up with the other hand. Okay, that's not funny, but I have the overwhelming desire to laugh. Don't laugh, Crystal, because I know, but like what? I'm I am imagining the people in this car that Oh, oh, but wait, t- wait, wait till you hear who comes. Wait till you hear this angel that comes by. Oh, okay. I was really afraid it was the two stupid no, men, but she starts walking towards the road. Mm-hmm. And believe me, this was, believe me, believe fucking her. This was a struggle. Okay. She, f- I don't doubt listen, it. she fell down many times, but she fought and got back up. Listen, sometimes when my hair doesn't fall in the right spot, I'm like, fuck it. I shouldn't even go to work. Like this stays over. Uh-huh. This girl is falling down, holding in her intestines and her head up, and she keeps going. I just, I, I, I have no words. Yeah, I, I couldn't. So she fights to get there, and she did. Once she reached Good. the white line of the road, she completely collapsed. I think in her head, she's like, I just need to reach the white line, you know, like the shoulder area. And and that was like the finish line for her. Once I reach that, I'm good. Even though she was very disorientated and she was going in and out, she knew that the white line was the best possible position to get the attention Mm -hmm. of anyone driving by. And thankfully she did not have to wait long. Tiana Lyard, a young veterinary student who was in Port Elizabeth on vacation from Johannesburg, noticed Allison in the middle of the road. And since he had some medical knowledge, he stopped right away, assessed the situation, and he was actually able to tuck, oh God, graphic again, Allison's exposed thyroid back mm. into her body. Oh my God. And call 911. Holy shit. Now, thankfully, the paramedics arrived right away, obviously Uh rushed Allison to the hospital. Yeah. Doctors were stunned by all of her. Yeah. By all of her wounds. This one particular doctor, Dr. Angelov, later said that in his 16 years of practicing medicine, he had never seen such severe, severe injuries, let alone on someone who was still alive. Uh-huh. So in all, she was stabbed 30 times in the abdomen and her throat was slashed 16 times. Mm-hmm. Now, at- so I, yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. I have more of a theoretical question that you are yeah. going to be able to answer, but I mean, her, her stomach was cut up so bad that her intestines were falling out. And this is a legitimate question. How do doctors know how to like wind them back in? I, you know? I would assume it's kind of like, you know, like, like a spiral or no, I'm going to assume that if you just like, okay, this is going to sound really weird, but you like know, if you just shove it all back in. And yeah, find I think, back? I think it just like falls into place. I, 
I don't know, but again. I just, I know that the intestines are a ridiculous length. Yeah. I just can't imagine having to like put everything back because I'll admit I'm really bad at puzzles. So I'm sure, I'm sure it just falls back into place. I mean, when they do C-sections on women, like they literally just like. I mean, they pull everything out, but they keep it like in order. I mean, it's so slippery. I don't see how you could. I, I think it's just like when you. Like, let's say you had a tiny box and, like, and like boba tea bubbles. You just kind of dump them in and I, shake yeah, the box? Yeah, and then, like, they just fall into place. I would actually be really interested if anybody, like, any of our listeners actually knows. Um, and actually, maybe my older sister knows. I should ask her. I really don't understand why you're not taking my medical expertise. I've watched Grey's Anatomy for, like, 20 seasons. So um, I'm basically a not, doctor. So maybe that's where I need to start. I need to. I am basically a doctor. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so at this point, Allison was barely holding on. As a matter of fact, when she arrived, it didn't look good. And all the doctors were not, they were like, we don't even know if we should try to save her because of just the extent of the injuries. Yeah. But they did. And she did. She survived and held on and managed to pull through. Not only that, and again, when I tell you that Allison is a fucking rock star, she managed to remember everything about her attackers. Oh, my God. Everything, every detail. And in a few days, while she was still in the hospital, she was able to positively identify them from police pictures wow yeah i mean this is the most traumatizing moment of her life oh my gosh that would be seared in her brain forever yeah so they quickly arrested them like within a day the two were arrested Uh they were named uh by the press as the ripper rapists and obviously like this got a lot of attention just because of the sheer brutality of mm-hmm. it all. Um, so when they were arrested, they were charged and both Franz Detau and Thanis Kruger pled guilty to eight charges, including kidnapping, rape and attempted murder. I mean, what other choice do they have? Exactly. Right? And then in August of 1995, they were both sentenced to life in prison. Good. Now, it was obviously a long road of recovery of recovery for Allison. I mean, physically, emotionally, psychologically, just everything you can imagine. Right. Mm -hmm. But this girl fucking survived. And in February of 1997, she married a man named Tiani Botha and Mm -hmm. they eventually had two children together. And Allison is now a very well-known South African inspirational speaker. She has traveled to over 30 countries. Wow. Like Wait, telling... was her husband a different TNE? Yeah, it's it's call. a totally different. Yeah, when I read that too, I'm like, oh, did she marry the guy that saved her? But or, That would be really cute. Uh, not the guy that saved her, the guy that helped save her because she saved herself, basically. Yes. <laughs> so uh, she has traveled to over 30 countries. Um, and honestly, 
sign me up. If she's ever in town, if I'm going to listen to anyone in my life, which is not my favorite thing to do, you, you bet that I'm going to hang on to every single inspirational word that Allison has to say. Yeah, I mean, she could be reading her grocery list. Exactly. And I'd be like, you buy that bread. You buy those eggs. Um, because to be able to overcome something that horrific, yeah. like, and just her adamant, just like refusal to become a victim, just, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be inspirational, right, to everyone. Yeah. Um, she also went on to produce and feature in many documentaries about her survival and this brutal attack. One of them is actually called Alice in the Movie, which is more like a documentary style movie, but it's built around her telling the story in personal interviews and kind of like uh reenacted flashbacks, Mm -hmm. you know, um, this movie won several awards in South Africa for best documentary. She also wrote a book called I have life. And besides being a survivor and an inspirational speaker and author, she also serves on the executive. She's an executive board member of Hawaii Pacific health, which I think is just like a health, you know, thing and South Africa because she still mm. lives in South Africa. That's a um, weird that Hawaii yeah. Pacific Health would be in South Africa. Yeah, or it, it is. I, I'm going to admit, didn't really research much into where uh, Hawaii Pacific Health was, but I do okay. know that she still lives in South Africa. But I mean, can like round of applause for Allison, like standing ovation, name your next kid after her. I mean, that is just like... I like my jaw. I had to pick up my jaw I, off the floor. I don't know where people find that kind of strength. Oh, I know. Like it, again, I mean, complete opposite side of the spectrum here. That at the beginning of the episode, we're like, I would have just like tucked and rolled out of that car. <laughs> I would have given in to this. Oh, release of death. yes, I totally would have to. This is one of those cases where we can't say, well, you don't know what you would do unless you were there. No, in this case, I know, like, I am, like, circling the drain of, like. <laughs> I think I think for me personally, um, I might have been able to bring it upon myself to, like, attempt to get up to go to the street, the road, right? Yeah. But the second my literal head starts falling off my body, that's when I give up. Yeah. 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 I like I'm not supporting this pumpkin bowling ball head yeah. with one arm and my all of my innards with the other. I can't do it. Yeah. Nope. Uh-uh. No, thank you. Yeah, as soon I mean like I get a headache and I'm like just see you in two days. Like, I mean, so I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm over here like with my stomach ache and Yeah. Yeah. Suck it up, Crystal. I know. Suck it up. So this story actually reminded me of another story. And I am not going to go into immense detail on this story. The first time I heard this story was actually the morbid ladies did this one. Um, So if you want to hear like an extra long version of this story, I would check out uh, Morbid's episode on Mary Vincent. But she is as equally a badass as 
Alison Botha. So I thought it would be, you know, appropriate to tell uh, her story too with Allison's, just mm-hmm. so you know that there are these two badass women that exist in this world. And if there's two, there might be more. There, I bet there it's are not plenty me and it's more. Not you. Yeah, it's not us. <laughs> so look a little further. Um, so Mary Vincent was born in 1963, which now I just have to say, uh, I think, I think the sixties were the, yeah, the, the, the generation in the sixties, those were the, the ones to get after it. Um, she was born in 1963. She was one of seven children and she lived with her parents in Las Vegas. Now, I guess children back then, when you were a teenager, like things were were more like, you know, I think like free, right? So like in your teens, in like the early 70s, I think if you like ran away for two days, it wasn't as like, you know, alarming as it is now or if you went and ran off with your boyfriend at 15 it's not as alarming as that would be now do you do I you mean, know what i'm it's saying scandalous because all the church ladies are judging your yeah, mother yeah. it's not it's not like a safety concern exactly so we didn't know any better back then no so being one of seven children uh mary was like kind of like you know, she was almost like, I think mom had her hands full. She had a mm-hmm. lot of kids. Like Mary was kind of a wild one. She often skipped school. She took off with her boyfriend a few times. Where uh, was she in the order of children? You know what? I do not know. I want to say she was right smack dab in the middle. Okay. Uh, I do know that her father was a mechanic and a, her mother was a blackjack dealer. And after they were done having kids, the parents kind of went through a very messy divorce. Mm. And at 15, Mary had enough with the fighting and the messiness of everything. So she decided she was going to run away to California. Mm -hmm. Um, She had this kind of like dream that she was going to run away to California and become a dancer. And, you know, everything your 15 year old brain thinks is like the best idea ever. Yeah. Um, After hitchhiking and living on the streets for a short time, Mary finally made it to Berkeley, California, where she went to live with her grandfather. And it is now 1978. Okay, it's September of 1978. Now, she only lived with her grandfather for a couple of days when she became homesick. And she's like, you know what? This isn't a great idea. I think I'm going to start heading back to Las Vegas. That's. That's kind of cute. I feel like we've all been there. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to be a dancer, live my life on my own. And then you're like, mom, (laughs) can you come? I need my mom. Um, Yeah. And this is unfortunately when uh, she ran into a horrible monster named Lawrence Singleton. So on the morning of September 29th, 1978, while Mary was hike walking along the freeway out of Berkeley, holding up a sign that read heading south. Again, can I remind you, she is 15 years old at this mm-hmm. point. Okay. This 50, 50, this 50 year old man or monster, however you want to do it, pulled over in his van and picked Mary up. Now, 
when he pulled over, she said that he had a kind smile and mentioned to her that he had a daughter her age um, and that he was on his way to Reno, but he would be more than happy to kind of like change his route and just take her where she needed to go. And I think all of this sounded good to Mary. She's like, oh, well, he looks like a really nice old man. He has a daughter yeah. my age. Like, I think she felt some um, security in that. Which is exactly why he mentioned those things. He is saying those things to make himself seem personable and that she can relate to him. But I'm going to tell all of you right now, with gas prices the way they are, ain't no one going out of their way for you. 100%. But this was in the 1970s. I think gas prices were a little bit lower than they were today. I'm guessing 75 cents a gallon. Oh, I feel like so much cheaper. (laughs) So, you know. I don't know things. He seemed like a family man. So she accepted. And what Mary did not know was that Singleton was actually a divorced, alcoholic, misogynistic, horribly tempered, awful, awful, awful man with a horribly strained relationship with his daughter who he actually had not talked to in about a year. Um, He also had a criminal history that included contributing to the delinquency of a minor um, and then other little just minor charges, but still. So we're running background checks on are, um, I mean, actually, I was I was going to joke about that, uh-huh. but literally Uber runs background checks. So we really are running background checks on the people we take rides with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so she gets in the van. Um, they start driving. Mary lights a cigarette, which, again, 15 years old, but that was like common back then oh yeah my dad is from the same ish generation a little earlier than her and he started smoking really really young same with my dad although thankfully he quit a long long time ago but yes same um now she lit up her cigarette the smoke from the cigarette kind of made her sneeze and that's when singleton put his hand on the back of her neck and held it there for the a while and asked her if she was sick. This made Mary very, very uncomfortable because uh-huh. she was like, first of all, don't touch me. I don't like yeah. to be touched anyways, especially by 50-year-old men I don't even know. But then okay, again, even... yet she gets in his car, though. So I have conflicting. I don't. But like if he had reached over and touched like her shoulder. That seems a little more normal, like a, hey, are you okay? But the back of the neck, that's that's a very vulnerable place. He can control her whole body from there. Fun fact about me, I do not like anything touching my neck, especially a hand or a necklace. Oh, interesting. Which, if you know my father, uh, he would probably say something like well in a past life you were probably choked to death i don't know um because he believes in those but your hair is okay my hair is fine but like if it's it's part of you yeah if it's anything like a turtleneck if the fabric is a little heavy a Uh necklace a choker no thank you like i would rather like eat my toenails um or like a hand sometimes my husband will put like you know when we're we're out somewhere like he'll rub my back and then like put his hand it gets too close to your neck yeah i'm like that no 
No, thank or like you. he'll have his his arm like over the back of your chin. Yeah, and it'll like graze your neck. Or yeah, something. I do not like that. Oh, do not like green eggs and ham. Yeah, like that. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I do not like that, Sam. I am. Oh my oh, god. god, I'm leaving it in. Okay. <laughs> I say we make that now a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. No, I do not like that. I do not like green eggs and ham. ham. So um, despite that, despite going, ew, take your hands off of me, Mary still feels comfortable enough to fall asleep while they're driving. Comfortable enough or exhausted? Maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Anyways, she wakes up and she quickly realizes that they are going the wrong way. They're going back to Nevada. So Mary starts to get nervous and she actually finds a sharp stick in the car and she demands that Singleton take her where she needs to go. Now, yeah. Now Singleton is like, hey, 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 now don't worry. We're going to, we're fine. Well, I'm sorry that my bad, it was an honest, honest mistake. I'm an honest man. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'll turn around. I apologize. using the word honest one too many times. Exactly. I, I apologize for the mix up. Now, as he goes to turn around, he stops off the side of the road. Cause he's like, uh, I, I'm okay. I just need to take a little break. I need to go to the bathroom. Mary gets out of the van too. And I think the reason she gets out of the van is because I think I, I've read conflicting things, but she's either, she either wants to plan an escape. Uh, other people say she she starts to tie her shoe and then her plan was she's going to tie her shoe and then just start running. Right. Um, so she bends over and she ties her shoe and suddenly she gets struck on the head with the back of a hatchet. A hatchet. Yes. Okay. Singleton then continues to punch her over and over after he strikes her till she falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. Then, trigger warning, graphic details in the next. Cue the music. Cue the music. Do, do, do. We're sorry, but the story you're about to hear contains some graphic information. Um, he forces himself in her mouth Mm -hmm. and demanded that she perform oral sex and, or tells her she's going to die. Yeah. Then he drags her into the van, rapes her repeatedly, tells her that he is going to kill her. If she starts screaming, he then ties her feet in her hands behind her, gets back in the driver's seat and starts driving again. After he drives a while, he stops, forces her, like cuts her hands loose and forces her to start drinking this alcohol from a, from a jug. And, um, and she did like, cause he was forcing her to, and she eventually like passes out. And when she, and at this point he's raping her repeatedly as she's passing in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, when she comes to again, he is standing over her and he orders her out of the van to the edge of the road. 
and she's like begging for her life at this point. She's naked, she's bound, um, and she is also kind of like under the influence, probably just like really, I mean, I can't imagine, right? Uh, She's traumatized and she probably has some sort of concussion going on. Yeah. And she's under the influence. Yeah. And let me remind you, she's 15 years old. She's still a little, she's a baby. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she is, and this is when she starts begging for her life. Please let me go. Please let me be free. And Singleton replies, you want to be free? I'll set you free. He goes to the van, comes back with his hatchet. He pins her down and begins to cut off her right arm, which he does. And then he moves to the other arm, cutting both of her arms off at the elbow while she is still alive. Uh Uh-huh. She then, she then, he then gets her up on her feet. She is naked. Both of her arms are cut off and he shoves her down a 30 foot foot embankment into a culvert off the Mm -hmm. side of the road. He then stuffs her into a concrete pipe. You know, those big, huge concrete pipes that are often like down below. Oh yeah. And they, they do like the suit, the water running Uh under roads. Exactly. Um, And he tells her, okay, now you're free. And he leaves her there, bleeding out, unconscious, naked, and barely hanging on to life. Yeah. Now, when Mary comes to, she finds herself at the bottom of this ravine, like in this big concrete pipe. She's naked. She's bleeding. She's alone. Somehow, this, again, 15-year-old girl manages to gather the strength to make her way out of this culvert okay by the way later it's it's known that it's the del puerto canyon um in california when she got up she had like the again just like allison you know allison was thinking ahead and she's like well if i die i'm at least going to write the names of the you know of the people um Mary doesn't have that luxury. She doesn't have that luxury. Right. So instead she's like, okay, I got to do something. She takes both of what's left of her arms and shoves them in the mud to pack her wounds. I don't even know if I would have the forethought to think. No, no. I don't even know what to do sometimes when I get a paper cut, like, like shoving her arms into the mud to help pack the wounds. And can you imagine how much pain that would be? No, no. They're like literal. I can't say nubs because they're not healed. They're stumps. Yeah. And you are, you're taking this open exposed flesh that has all of these nerve endings running through it and willingly shoving it into a place like yeah so 
she hears the sounds of the freeway and cars driving by. So she decides that she is going to walk up. She keeps her arms raised above her head to, again, minimize the bleeding. And it mm-hmm. also helps that they're packed with mud. She walks up the 30-foot embankment, okay, hands up or arms up in the air. And the first car to see her obviously does not stop because I, and I don't blame them. This is a pretty alarming kind of like, uh, like thing, right? You see this. That's one of those, like you see it and you cannot even oh, yeah. comprehend what you're seeing. And her arms are in the air and I'm sure she's all bloody and muddy. And I'm sure you're just kind of like, what was that? And she was still naked, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, thankfully, there was a newlywed couple um, that was on their honeymoon, and they stopped. They pulled over immediately. They stopped. They wrapped her in blankets and clothing that they already had in their car, and then they drove to the very next area that they knew was going to have a phone, uh, Mm -hmm. which was a nearby airport. Um, I don't think it was one of those very big airports. I think it was just like like a a small airfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They called the ambulance, and all she could say to them was, he raped me. He raped me. Oh he God. raped me. Um, now, just like Allison, when she got to the hospital, the doctors were like, oh, my God, we don't even know if we can save her. This is, like, really bad. She's already lost a lot of blood. And you, with how, like, muddy and bloody and probably bruised she is because he beat her. Uh-huh. They can't even really assess her injury. No, like, she, she was not expected to survive at all. Like, yeah. at all. But again, like Allison, she did. And when she was just like a day from re- like out of this, mm-hmm. she was able to give the police a detailed description of her attacker. Good. So detailed. That when a police sketch was done up of him, he was immediately recognized. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So police quickly arrested him and charged him with kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. Now, it, it took a couple of months to await trial. And as Singleton was awaiting trial, Mary made this full recovery. She was even fitted very quickly with two prosthetic arms that she got the hang of very quickly like and again I attribute this to her being so young you know and when you're young like that you kind of like catch on to things quickly but um it was stated in a lot of articles just how quickly she kind of like regained her uh her mobility you know with the arms and being able to use them and yeah and she's young and when uh you're young you you heal and adapt yeah, uh, more effectively yeah. than when you're old like me. Yeah, she even returned to school within like a month or two and kind of started her life again. Uh, Shit, I'd be milking that for months. Oh my gosh, she this girl mastered her prosthetics in two weeks. She wow. even began modifying them on her own to create custom designs. Like she calls herself like she's always been a tinker, you know, like she would tinker with things. Oh, yeah. um, she started doing that with her prosthetics and like was making these cool little modifications to them. 
and like some things that had designs on them and and it's the, it was this that jump started her passion into the arts um she also uh began drawing and creating portraits mm-hmm. now when singleton's trial started he insisted that mary was a prostitute claiming he hadn't committed a crime he was like this is just some 10 dollar a night whore that i picked up shut the fuck up exactly he said that somebody else stole his van and threatened him with false accusations but he so he was like trying to come up with every excuse in the book as to why that wasn't him but why his van matched or or why his dna like you know like he was like well yeah she i yeah i've been with her she's a ten dollar a night whore and yeah that was my van that you probably found some evidence into but someone took it from me no yeah no one believed him. No one believed him. Especially after Mary, again, badass, testified against him in court. Mm-hmm. Even after everything this girl had been through, she was able to stand up in front of the court and point one of her newly, you know, adapted prosthetic arms at him and mm-hmm. like say, yep, that is my attacker. By the way, she never, ever addressed him or used his name she just said my attacker that's she's never said his actual name because she doesn't want to she just says that is my attacker that was my attacker yeah he was sentenced now this is going to anger you but he was sentenced to how okay how how long do you think he was sentenced i always do this to you and that's why i know um you said i'm gonna be angry yeah so less than three years oh no Uh uh-uh he was actually sentenced to 14 years in prison which was the max at the time for those charges in california um and so he started serving that time and Uh while he was serving that time mary also filed a civil suit against him and she did win for (laughs) 2.56 million dollars but obviously she never saw a dime of that money no, because principal yeah, he was old and in poor health and he literally only had $200 to his name and assets. I hope like, he takes that debt to his grave at the time and the devil makes him pay it back. Well, this next part is kind of maddening because he was actually released after eight years. Why? Eight years for good behavior. Was it? He was stupid, like earn a day credit for every day. He was like, apparently he was a model prisoner. Yeah, because he wants to fucking get out. And get out. He did. He was actually paroled to my old stomping grounds, by the way, Contra Costa County. Um, But nobody wanted him there like at all. I don't blame them. So he had... Uh, he was he was released and then he had to be on parole for just one year, mind you. Okay. I feel like if you get out on good behavior, your parole should last at least as long as your original sentence. Did. No, only one year. And he ended up having to live in a trailer on San Quentin property because that's the only place authorities could find for him because everywhere else in 
the county was like, we don't want them in our neighborhood. Hell no. And they would protest and they would fight it. And so they like, he had no choice but to live on a trailer on San Quentin, uh, on San Quentin property because every town tried that he's tried to settle and tried to run him off. Now they succeeded. It sounds like he had to go live in a corner. Yeah. Now because of his early release, Mary decided to fight right? She's like, this is ridiculous. So she worked with other people in uh, politics to fight a, uh, or to pass a California, it's called California Singleton's Bill, which Mm -hmm. prevents the early release of serious offenders who have committed crimes in which torture is used. Man. Yeah. So her attacker eventually moves to where do you think her attacker moves to? Where do you think a monster like this would find a nice little home to? Is he coming to Washington? No. Where um, Where does all like just the Florida? Yes. <laughs> um. So you know what he's doing? Uh, he's using every other weirdo in the state as a smokescreen. Exactly. Which. He does. It doesn't take long because he's quickly arrested for another crime. This time it is two counts of theft. And so in 1980, he serves a 60 day sentence. That's nothing. No, no. Especially when you find out that years after his release Mm -hmm. in 1997, police are called when someone reports that they hear Singleton assaulting a woman in his home. And sadly, when police respond, they find the body of Roxanne Hayes, a mother of three, stabbed multiple times to death in his home. Um, no one is surprised. No. So he is arrested. He Mm -hmm. is sent to trial. Mary actually travels to Tampa for that trial and testifies against him for the second time. This time he is finally sentenced to death. Okay. And in 2001, he dies of cancer in a prison hospital in Stark, Florida, where he belongs. Okay. I mean... He's dead at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, One less monster walking the earth. I lean more towards being not in support of the death penalty. Um, But I'm not sad that he suffered from cancer. Yeah. I'm not sad that I hope like before he got cancer, um, there were other people in prison who... um, Showed him the ropes. Let's just say that. Um, Now, initially, after the first trial, when this all happened, obviously. So I don't want to paint it like Mary was just like miraculously just like fine after this. Right. Oh, no, she wasn't. Mary had a really hard time struggling, even though like it it sounds like she got it together pretty well. I mean, obviously, you're going to have post-traumatic distress for a long time um unfortunately like all of this everything that this caused probably the turmoil in her life the everything that happened it did 
it, she started to not really get along with her family. Um, she also, I read somewhere she struggled with an eating disorder after that. Um, but eventually she did begin healing and slowly finding her path in life. She attended the university of Nevada in Las Vegas. She got married, had two sons, later got a divorce, but like devoted her life to raising her sons and Mm -hmm. to also be becoming an inspirational speaker and a very, very well-known victims advocate and supporter of victims rights. Um, She also is a very well-known artist in California, very accomplished. She's sold many, many of um, her paintings, which all portray like these powerful women as female action heroes basically and some of them like if you look up some of her paintings like some of them are like scantily dressed but others like are just like I think what she's trying to do is just embody what a woman is right this like soft feminine you know woman who's just oh my god look at her cute little self with yeah yeah like 15 years old with her two little hooks yeah Uh uh-huh and then look up look up some of her paintings like uh they're they're just they're awesome um she says that raising having her two sons and raising them really is one of the things that helped her heal and grow the most and um today you know her sons are adults she continues to speak up for and fight for victims rights as well as sell her art um Mm. she did say in an interview that the death of her attacker didn't really bring her peace like she had hoped but she said that the relief she saw in her son's eyes when they found out that he was finally gone from this banished from this earth forever was Mm -hmm. was enough for her to like heal a little bit oh yeah can you imagine how that would feel that like you spend your life like obviously she followed this guy's movements i would have to honestly and she knew about like when he was arrested and And you know when you're in that moment, you're like, man, I cannot wait till he dies and I'll finally be free of him. And then he dies and you're like, he's dead and I'm not free. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just heartbreaking. I'm glad that her son's reaction was able to help her a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, Mm. this is just, that's the story of these two. Like, God, 15 years old. Yeah badass women that are like honestly true superheroes like yeah. i i can't even like i mean i think it's horrible they had to go through what they went through but mm-hmm. this there's also a like things happen to you and it is how you decide to carry your life after yes. that yes that is i mean and And it's hard and not everybody can do it. I don't think I would. I would like. I'm telling you, I would give up. Yeah. I would become one of those. um, And I mean, I, I don't know this for sure because I I actually tried to be a pleasant person, but like, I feel like I would turn into one of those bitter, angry people. Yeah. That ends up taking it out on the people around me. Oh yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, that's just so hard. Yeah. 
yeah. So I wouldn't, um, I would not, I don't know. Okay. I, now that we're at the end of this episode, I agree with your statement at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> that the, the horrible, horrible stories. Yes. Um, with inspiring and uplifting endings. Which is a little off the path for me, wouldn't you think? Yeah, you usually go the other way. You yeah. usually start with like the cute love story yeah. that turns into the horror. I know. And this is the horror that, that turns, turns into, into the, nice story. the nice story. So, hey, yay for growth. And you're welcome. Yeah. And by the way, um, I have to say, like, welcome to, I think, all of our new listeners. Your Dina Schlosser episode is still going strong. It's been downloaded over a thousand times in the last 30 days. Who is listening to it? I want to know. Choose a different episode. (laughs) Okay. I had this, like, seriously disturbing thought. What? What if Dina is listening? You told me that. She's just listening to it over and over and over again. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to get this. <laughs> she can't. She's locked She's up. can't. That's I true. just, I don't know. I don't either. Uh, I mean, I think that we've, uh, can somebody tell us what happened? One of I you know. new people. You're new here. Um, but to, uh, say, introduce yourselves. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Where'd you come from? And I hope Where'd you hear about yeah, us. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed Dina Schlosser. What? Schlosser? Schlosser? I had a hard time with that. You, you always know, let, have a hard time. I have a it. hard time with just words in general. But yeah. uh, but thank you, everybody. I'm glad you liked that episode. Um, I feel that was my my one of my top, top 10 episodes I have done. Yeah, just um, I like this one. I've yeah. never heard of that first story. But you've um, heard of Mary Vincent. I have heard of Mary Vincent. And I actually, I will say, let me find the actual morbid uh, episode one. number. Yeah, that morbid uh, does. Because I remember when I listened to that, I was in awe yeah. of yeah. this story. And I mean, they did a very good job telling it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want more details, like there's, they go more into detail about who her attacker was and other okay. things. So if you want more details about that and plus the murder of Roxanne Hayes, because I just said they, 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 he murdered her. Obviously mm-hmm. she deserves a little bit more storytelling than that. She wasn't just some lady that he murdered. She was a mother of three. So they go a little bit more into detail with her. I just wanted to just kind of highlight just the, the yeah. survival of Allison and Mary. And I just, I wanted to share the actual episode number because yeah. sometimes uh, people can't find things like I get that. it. I get it. Um, so it, that is Morbid Podcast. It's episode 27. Ooh, and those um, might be archived already. I know they are. They're not. I can actually see it. Oh, they. Oh, okay. I'm looking, I'm looking at it on Spotify. Oh, okay. Right nice. Now. Nice. Um, so it is called The Survival Story of Mary Vincent, Patron Saint of Badassery. Okay. Yep. And this is a, Allison. She is another patron saint of badassery, too. So... So there you go. I am not. I, I am probably one of the wimpiest little sad people you ever meet. But none <laughs> of you are going to meet me because I I stay in my home. As, as this proves, we all should. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, here I go for uh, lockdown 3.0. Yes. <laughs> I'm never leaving home.
<laughs> all right. Well, we will see you all next week. We will. And uh, we'll see what I have to bring to you <laughs> next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.